Broadcasting live from the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. Welcome back to the JT The Brick Show, brought to you by Modelo Especial, the new number one beer in the U.S. It's time for JT The Brick. The business I chose, that is real. That is bleeping real right now. Why am I bringing this up? It's what I do best. I screw up five times a day before breakfast. I'm not going crazy on this one. I'm not. I'm not going crazy. Does anybody listen to me? We talk balls on sports radio. JT The Brick. I don't have notes online. I just, it's off the top of my head. The whole radio show's off the top of my head. I don't have a three-hour pre-show meeting like those other guys where the interns write the show. It's all off the top of my head. We make memories on this show for the Raider Nation. Jump on with us. Do your job. Win these games. Let's be up 10 points in the fourth quarter. Let's go in and shock the world. We are not the official show of the practice squad. I want to talk about the starters and the impact guys. We're going to put this team on the map. If this is too hardcore for you, turn the channel. Don't embarrass Bobby. Wow, I can go in 10 different directions today. No half-ass effort. I bring passion and energy for every second I'm on the radio. And now, it's a tweet. Don't take it too seriously. Here's JT the Brick. Yes, we got to the final hour of the week. The final hour of the week. Jared's in for Bobby. Hope everyone's doing well. We're brought to you by Modelo. I will have a bucket of Modelo's when I park the car later on today and don't have to drive it. Bucket of Modelo's on a Friday. Get your Modelo's. Ice them down. Enjoy the great weather. Modelo, proud partner of the show. The phone's blowing up. One of my best buddies is going to Adele tonight with the wife, his wife. Other buddies are going to U2, this and that. I mean, we live in Vegas, man. This isn't Toledo. This is in Ames, Iowa, man. On Friday night, we've got a lot going on here. I'll be anchoring the Raiders pregame show with Eric Allen. That'll be Sunday. We move the pregame show inside the Raiders headquarters on Sunday. I get a chance to watch the game with Amber Theo Harris, James Jones, Eric Allen. And then hopefully the Raiders put up a fight against the Chargers and have a chance to win the game. Raiders defensive end Chandler Jones was arrested today in Las Vegas. According to online jail records, He was listed as an inmate at the Clark County Detention Center as late as Friday morning. He allegedly violated, according to ESPN, a domestic violence temporary protective order and was being held on $15,000 bail, according to jail records. He posted bond later in the morning, early afternoon, according to the court records. The Raiders released a statement on their social media saying that the team is hopeful that Chandler Jones receives the care that he needs. He, his family, and all those involved are in our thoughts. Our thoughts. The team noted that it will not comment further as Jones's situation has become a legal matter. So we went from a private matter to a legal matter, as the Raiders have put that out there. And I think everybody understands this. Uh, Chandler has not played this season. He's 33. He's been away from the Raiders since Labor Day weekend. He's made a series of social media posts aimed at the team, aimed at the owner, the GM, and the head coach. So they placed him on the non-football illness list on September 20th. So, look, he's been going on these raging, rampage social media tweets that I don't understand a lot of it, but very many people are concerned, and they, they're worried about it. And he wrote on social media Monday night that he was taken to a hospital against his will, Last week by the Las Vegas Fire Department, later transferred to a behavioral health facility. Everything that's going on, I tried to give you my best opinion on it. It is a legal matter now. It was a private matter before that. We wish Chandler the best, mentally and physically, to get through this. 
Very important. Once a Raider, always a Raider. Was hoping for the best for him. Now when it comes to his overall health, that is a priority for him and his family, most importantly. The organization, he's played for several organizations. They all talked highly of him. Whatever's happened here, hopefully we'll, we don't need to know. It's a private matter with him and how he gets through this. We hope he gets to the other side. That's it. Want him to get through this, be mentally okay, physically okay, and get on with his life. He's got a long life in front of him. He's a young guy. He's only 33 years old. He's got his whole life in front of him. He's got a lot of money in the bank, and hopefully he can get the help that he needs and get his life back on track. That's what I'm hoping for, and I know a lot of other people are. We'll get to my conversation with the head coach and also Raiders, Peace of Raiders Roundtable with Lincoln Kennedy. Q and I get a chance to sit down with Lincoln. I don't talk to Lincoln on the radio. I see him on game day, but I love this content, and I'm involved with it, so I play it on Selected Fridays because it's really good. And Lincoln had a lot to say about the last loss. And we talked about the field goal instead of going for the points, so that's coming up. But every Thursday I sit down with the head coach of the Silver and Black, Josh McDaniels. Here was our conversation yesterday. We welcome in head coach Josh McDaniels. And, Coach, let's begin an emotional loss, home opener. What was it like for the coaches and the players? They looked at the tape and you got them back on the field. Yeah, I mean, we, you know, we had opportunities. And there's no question about that. And, um, you know, third week in a row, we've got off to a decent start, got that lead. And, um, and just, you know, we, we, we need to stop making the errors uh, that, that create the momentum for the opponent, um, whether it be turnovers or mistakes on our part. So um, we saw those, corrected them. Players had a great attitude on Monday. Um, you know, we, we know we haven't played our best football yet, and we're going to need to start playing complementary football here, all three phases together, so we can put together winning performances. Now, Jimmy's in protocol. We talked about when Jacoby was in it. We handled yep. that. And as you wait, you got a pretty good quarterback room with a veteran backup and a rookie. Yep. What's that process been like for you as the head coach who's in that room also, yep. trying to get them all three of them ready to play? Yeah, uh, you know, and, and I think the biggest thing for the quarterback position is that they need to get ready every week like they're going to play. You know, and and the the second guy is always one play away, um, and, and we're, we're really training Aiden to do the, to do the same thing. And so um, yesterday Brian and, and Aiden took um, the, all the reps and had an opportunity to go out there and, and run our, our Wednesday practice, and I think they did a decent job of that. Um, Jimmy was in all the meetings and, and doing everything he was able to do, and, uh, and now we'll take a step forward here today. Uh, he'll be able to get out there on the field. Uh, he's making progress in the protocol, Good. so we'll see him out there today practicing uh, with us also. Outstanding. I want to move to Devontae. He had another big game, no surprise there. Walk me through the fourth and one, the early touchdown, yeah. and how you put that play together and how he was able to get behind the coverage. Yeah, uh, Pittsburgh's very aggressive in those types of situations, and so we had a play that uh, Jimmy had a couple uh, different options on. If they gave us an opportunity to do something in the running game, we could have. Uh, but they really lined up almost in like a goal line defense. Um, and so he had options with Jacoby and Devontae, and the safety happened to come flying down there and take away Jacoby. And, and Jimmy read it right. Uh, Devontae ran a great route, and we were able to make the play on that situation. It's, it's a little risky, you know, yeah. throwing it down the field on fourth and one. But uh, the way that some te- defenses play you, it forces you to make some decisions like that, and I thought they executed it well. I want to follow up with that. I like what you said there. So one receiver reads something correctly. That's mm-hmm. something you've been working on yeah. at every position group. See what's in front of you. Make yep. the proper read and make the best play. Yeah, no question. We had a lot of guys do that on that play, you know, yeah. and so Jimmy had multiple options. Devontae did his his job the right way. Jacoby took the safety uh, who dove down on him and, and everybody executed their part, which is why it was a success. 
The O-line, a couple of tough matchups with Buffalo and Pittsburgh back-to-back. Mm-hmm. Back. And now as we jump into the Chargers with Bosa and what we see with Mack, so I'm assuming it's pretty similar to the aggressive nature you've seen the last couple of weeks. Very much so. Um, these two guys, we've battled them multiple times, obviously, and um, they're both still playing at a high level. I know Bosa's coming off the hamstring and kind of working his way back in there. Uh, but uh, guys that are, they play hard, they got a high motor, um, they're powerful, uh, they can try to get to the edge, and if they don't do that, then they go ahead and try to push the pocket. So um, they, they've, they've, they've provided a lot of uh, pass rush uh, for this team for multiple years now, and we're going have to uh, have to do a good job on the edge this week. You and I both agree on Herbert at quarterback. I mean, he's one of the best I've seen at this age. And yep. when you look at his 74.4 completion percentage, he's the only quarterback who hasn't turned it over. So I want to get into the concept of him trying to keep a play going and looking deep yep. and how quick the ball comes out in red zone and on short yardage. Yeah, he does a good job of really understanding the design. And um, he, as he's grown, and, and I've actually had a chance to play against him, I believe, almost every year of his career, uh, it just seems like he's willing to take the first profit more and more and more. Um, and when you give him that opportunity to go ahead and take a deep shot, you know, he's aggressive and he'll do that. So the more you see the coverage, uh, the more comfortable you get reading out the plays. Obviously, this is a very talented player, mm-hmm. um, and he can access all levels of the field with right. his arms. So um, we're going to have to do a good job of, of trying to keep things moving on him, not show him exactly what we're doing on every play, uh, try to force him to hold the ball a little bit, and then try to get as sticky as we can in coverage. Yeah, and I recall in this series with him over the years, getting hands up at the line of scrimmage is a big deal. He's a yeah. tall player, but at yep. times he throws it at eye length. If you can't get to him, knock it down. Yeah, the, 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 arm, the arm level will come. You know, he's, he's not a you know, complete over-the-top thrower. Yeah. So, um, you know, he has had some tip balls in his career, and um, if, if you can't quite get there, that's one of the things that we'll, we'll be working on this week. Mike Williams is out, but Keenan Allen leads the league in reception. So you saw him have a big game there. Yep. Obviously, they're aware of that, that you're aware of that. That's a player you kind of want to neutralize, but like Devontae, it's tough to do. Yeah, he, they move him all over. Yeah. And so we, uh, I think it starts with our awareness. You know, he's, he's always in the middle of the action somehow, some way. Um, he's a really good football player, great savvy, great route runner, great hands, very intelligent, um, physical, um, you know, and got good size. So we're going to need to be aware of him. They got some big targets on the outside also. They, they drafted Johnston in the first round. Palmer had a big game last week. So, um, you know, Mike's a, a really good football player, and, you know, and he won't be there. But they have other options, other weapons, and, and we're getting ready for all of them. Parham had a big game. He's got three touchdowns, and Eric Allen did a breakdown on one of the shows about him and how unique he is in the red zone. That ball comes out quickly to him yeah. if they're going to him, and if not, you got to be aware of that, and they go somewhere else. He's got really good length, yeah. um, and in the tight end in general, Everett also you know, show up in some of those situational football plays, third down, fringe area, red zone, two-minute, uh, where they're part of the target package. And uh, we're going to definitely need to know where, where he's at down there in the red zone. Uh, and, again, Herbert, I think he's doing a better job. He sees when people are trying to take away Allen and some of his other guys. And, you know, he, he, he's utilizing the coverage to his advantage and trying to get it to his big guys. Your tight end, Michael Mayer, had the two-point conversion. How's he coming yeah. along? What's his progression like? Yeah, he's doing good. And, and again, we, we, have, uh, we have some pretty good players at receiver, and, and they've obviously had a lot of targets. But Mike's doing a good job of working hard every week. He's improving in the running game. He's improving in his ability to win against tight coverage. Uh, I think his production will continue to, to rise. And we know what's going on with Josh Jacobs. He needs bigger holes. Everyone's got to be on the same page. As a leader also, 
What is he like on practice, especially when we're talking here later in the week? Yeah. Can you just sense the energy level and him ramping up? No question. Uh, yesterday we were in pads and working hard on the running game, and uh, J.J.'s adamant about doing his part. You know, he wants to do his part right uh, while the other guys are working on their on their techniques and their fundamentals. So uh, it's a team aspect, you know, in the running game. If you don't, you know, if all of you don't do your job the right way, sometimes it's hard to get it going. So um, I think he's doing a great job of, of his, his role uh, and leading in that way, and uh, he has a lot of urgency to get this thing on track. You coached down in San Diego back in the day with this rivalry yeah. when you were with yep. the Patriots. Now it goes up to L.A., this rivalry is really interesting. Plunkett, Raymond Chester, Branch, Dan Fouts, Winslow. I mean, remember, we always yeah. talk at times about you when you were younger watching yeah. these games. So yeah. you're watching them, and they're out west, and the sun is yep. raging. Berlin Olsen, yeah, right. Olsen and Dick Enberg doing the great, call. Out the, yeah, yeah. Great rivalries. Another big part about being in this building. Yep. You know, the fans want to compare Kansas City, Denver, San Diego, now L.A. Yeah. But this is a big one that launched the Raiders into the wild card and big postseason wins. Yeah, this is uh, obviously got a lot of history to yeah. it, and a lot of great players have have played in this in this rivalry. And uh, now that it's moved back to LA, you know, I got the first uh, my first opportunity last year to witness this our fan base yeah. really kind of take their stadium. And you know, I mean, we kind of I don't it had to be more than fifty fifty. You know, it was oh, wow. it was a big Raider following there, which you know I'm kind of learning. LA, I think we might be the favorite team there. So um, expecting the same kind of output this week. Um, our guys are excited. This is a huge division game. We already had one division game on the road. Now here comes number two in the first four games. So uh, we knew when the schedule came out that these few uh, first few games, especially in our division, were going to be important. And um, and this one's a big one. Yeah, and I'll wrap it up with that. This is a big one. Where, yeah. where the record is, and it's a division game, yep. the whole locker room's focused on that. Next yeah. thing you know, you can, you're right back in it. You're yeah. always in it. It's early yeah. in the season, but yeah. to have the opportunity to go 2-2 two and two in the division and win another division game. No question. And, you know, we know these have added importance as the season goes on. Um, you know, we've been on the road for, for quite a while, including the preseason. Sure. So, um, you know, we have no issue with going, you know, on the road and trying to win our second division game here again uh, in the month of September. And, and we want to try to get that done. And so guys are hard at work, preparing their best. Um, and that's what we expect, a, a, good, a good showing on Sunday. Good luck, Coach. Thank you. That's the head coach of the Raiders, Josh McDaniels. Don't know what else you want to hear. We weren't going back to the field goal. The field goal was gone on Sunday. I did the post game. He did Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. He addressed it. We preview the upcoming opponent, and we just got big, big news, huge news here, Raider-related on the status of two players. So I just tweeted it out from Adam Schefter reporting that Chargers officially are listing running back Austin Eckler and safety Derwin James as doubtful for Sunday's game. Got no Mike Williams, potentially no Austin Eckler, and potentially no Derwin James. I don't know what – I don't – promote injuries. I don't want anybody to be hurt. I want them at full strength. I want Jimmy G full strength. I don't know of a bigger break you can get than this if you're a Raider fan. I don't. No Mike Williams gone for the year. Derwin James and Eckler clearly injured. So if they do play, they're not at their 100%. I mean, what more do you want? You want Bosa to be out of the game and Mac too? I mean, uh, what do you want? These guys, you got guys who are injured and down. And that's why Jimmy Garoppolo playing to me is imperative. Uh, Jimmy G's got to be able to go, but it's tough. Years ago, years ago before the NFL took concussions seriously, I'd be sitting here today jumping off the chandelier saying, he better play. I can't do that anymore. I can't because if he can't clear protocol, I can't say you have to play. He can't play. If there's no discussion. 
Back in the day, it used to be, man, he's dinged up. Man, he took a big hit, but he'll play. Oh, mark my word, he hasn't practiced for five days. They'll have him ready, wink, wink, to play. That's not anymore. Now you just have to go through a neutral doctor to clear them, and those doctors aren't screwing around. They're not putting their careers on the line to let a guy play in a football game. No way. They got big jobs, big lives. They're not going to give it up to get a guy to play. Now, if it was the playoffs or the Super Bowl, that could be a little different. Last game of the year to get him go, Tua changed everything with this concussion protocol. Once Tua was laying on this, laying on his back in Cincinnati and his hands were cramping, remember that that unbelievable, unbelievable stammer that he had? It was tough to watch. League's like, nope, never again. You get hurt as a quarterback, you're not playing. But Jimmy G, they didn't know when he got hurt. He didn't suffer a severe television blow to the head that everybody's freaking out about. Very important change of events here with the status of the injury report of the Los Angeles Chargers. Raider Rowe out in the biggity-biggity-o of Oakland. What's happening, Rowe? What's going on, JT? Thank you for taking Thank the Thank you call. for waiting. Appreciate you. It's all right, man. Hey, I've been listening to you since 1999, man, when I was uh, 18 years old. And, uh, you know, that the reason I say that is because I am a fan of the Raiders since I was five, and I know the history. And I want to answer the question one of your prior callers asked as far as what will make uh, Raider fans feel a little bit better. And to me, that is simply a win. Mm -hmm. We need to get to a win. We have to get to 500. Uh, I don't mean to be doom and gloom, but for someone like me, and I know you know these stats, uh, JT, I've seen probably a total of seven winning seasons my entire adult life, mm -hmm. uh, excuse me, since I was five years old uh, from this team. And I took my son to the Steelers game. We flew down there. We were there. Mm -hmm. And his first question is, you know, why are there so many Steelers fans? Right. I had to explain that to him. Mm -hmm. But then after the game, he asked me, Dad, why are you a Raiders fan? And all, all they do is lose when the Niners win and we live near San Francisco. And I really couldn't explain it to him, aside from the fact that, you know, I, I believe silver and black. But, mm -hmm. uh, you know, we need, we need a win. And uh, I'll take your comments off the record. I mean, yeah, off, the, yeah. off there. Appreciate uh, your appreciate call. You, Appreciate everything you do. Appreciate uh, everything you do. I, I don't know how to answer how you should talk to your son about that. My sons, I didn't grow up a Raider fan growing up back east. Liked the Raiders as a kid. Photos with the Stabler jersey on when I'm nine. And I got brought into this team, and it's changed my life for a positive. And I'm a fan. I'm a season ticket holder. I work for the team, and I desperately want them to win. People ask me all the time, if the Raiders play the Giants, who do you root for? I laugh. I go, how dare you ask me that question? I work for the Raiders. I want them to win every game. That's a team of my youth, not the team now. And again, I say uh, there's play-by-play -play voices around the league who grew up with a team, and now they work for another team as the GM or the voice of the team or whatever. You know, Jason Horowitz right now comes to the Raiders. He wants the Raiders to win every game. When you look at the passion that you have for your fan base, it's going to get tested. It's always going to get tested. Growing up in New York with my dad, who was a diehard sports fan, saw a lot of victories. A lot of victories as a kid. In the years that were lean, never worried about the future because I was all invested. No fan base is more invested than the Raider fans. That's what I can tell you from knowing them for 25 years. They live and die with every game and every play, and they want to win. And I'm aware of that. That's why this game in L.A. is so important. Lincoln Kennedy on the roundtable next. JT back with you. Let's give a shout-out to Resorts World. 
Man, they got everything going on at the Resorts World Theater. Carrie Underwood, Katy Perry, all these monster shows. Doghouse Saloon is where I go. Great lunch, great dinner. If you come out of one of these shows and go inside the Doghouse Saloon, you can place your bets before you go home that night. Get a ticket, go in there, get some food, some drink, and then... They surprise you from time to time with great entertainment right after those big shows empty out in the theater. Great A-list headliners come in there and perform. It's fantastic. And then all the great restaurants that we like to go to there. Fantastic experience. So whatever you're going to do, go check out Resorts World, the vision of sports there and what they do at Doghouse, Red Tail, all of our friends behind the scenes there. Appreciate it. And we love the fact that we can call Resorts World the proud partner here on Raider Nation Radio. Every week we do Raiders Roundtable. It gets a big podcast download. I love flexing my muscles and say I got a big podcast with a lot of downloads. Q Myers, Lincoln Kennedy. We showcase Lincoln Kennedy for what he says, a portion of this week's roundtable. Welcome back to Raiders Roundtable as we bring in Lincoln Kennedy as we've been talking about that sequence of downs, Lincoln. And you jump in. You saw it. You heard it. You heard the analysis. What do you think of the time in the booth with Jason Horowitz? Well, you know what? I was always taught you don't take points off the board. But when you get a first down inside the opponent's 20-yard line red, red zone, then one would think that you it's it's appropriate to take it. Now, coming out of it, I mean, you can question the play calling, more importantly, the execution. But, guys, I think about this time, I I have a hard time disagreeing with the way it went, mainly because when you're faced with a fourth and four or more, the way the offense has been struggling to, on, on that night against Pittsburgh's defense, I, I don't know if we get it. I don't know if you have enough in the arsenal or have you shown enough at this particular point to say that I've got a fourth down and five play that I know will get five yards. So when you we look just at haven't seen it out of this offense. Right. No, no, you're right about that. And you mentioned not taking the points off the board, and that was my point. If you're gonna kick the field goal, I felt like just leave the points on the board, at least you give yourself more time. Once you did take those points off the board, I felt like it was touchdown or nothing. Well, but here's the thing, Q, when you're faced with an automatic first down, I mean, let, let's face it, the 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 call on the attempted field goal where they where they, they gave the Steelers a penalty. When we looked at it the replay, I was like, I don't see it. Right. But we'll take yeah. it. Yeah. You know, right. where right. it's not too often that the Raiders give a, a gimme like that. So you get an automatic first down. I can understand. It's not like you're moving the ball up five yards and you still got fourth down and something to go. You get an automatic first down. So you're back to the drawing board where you say, look, I got three plays to try to get it in. And then go for the and then go for the field goal right there. I mean, you can question the judgment, you can mm-hmm. question the way everything fell. I just feel that at this particular point, your quarterback is shook because he's been hit a couple of times. And I don't know if the if you honestly have a play in your arsenal that you can call that's going to get those five yards. So you have to take the field goal after after you uh, fail at three points at uh, three times. Uh, Lincoln, here's what concerns me on the Devontae touchdown before the Michael Mayer two point conversion. He was in motion. He came in motion, ran that little head fake, turned in, wide open touchdown. Could not have been any easier. Why don't you run it again? I mean, the exact play. I've been telling you how many times. Run the plays that we run here that work. That play worked perfectly. He came in motion. He made a little head fake move, wide open, easy touchdown. Well, why not run it again instead of the plays that they ran with the game on the line? I don't know why if something works easily why you don't run it again. I know Tomlin's good. He's going to make adjustments. But do something off the play that worked the first time, especially with Mayer and Renfro, who are supposed to be really good red zone targets. 
Well, those are the ones you have to get involved, if you ask me. I think if you would have came back with that same look with Devontae Adams, the Steelers would have changed up the coverages. Or they, they, they might have changed up, did something different, maybe jumped on the inside knowing that you want to go to number 17. The fact is, is that after this time, we're only in three games in the season. But, guys, this offense is incredibly predictable because the same three teams have taken things away that the Raiders have done well. It started with Denver. They're key to how to take up take Josh Jacobs out, and you follow with the next two games, Buffalo and Pittsburgh. They did the exact same thing. So until we make adjustments on our side and get a little bit more physical, we're not going to have a receiver to dig out that safety or that unblocked player that seems to be coming off the backside making tackles. And the, the fact is that Josh Jacobs is making cuts in the holes. You're not getting anything effectively done running between the tackles. So, you know, when you talk about plays that are, I can sit there and say, look, we're either going to try, you know, Devontae Adams, either a back shoulder throw or a deep end route if we have time. Um, those are pretty much the only two routes that we've seen out of him uh, throwing to him so far. And and Jacoby Myers picks up a little bit of the slack, but you still haven't seen enough out of Hunter Renfro. You still haven't seen enough out of your tight ends. Um, there's a reason for that. But, you know, the reason to me, the Raiders have got to develop a better three-man game uh, receiving the ball because, let's face it, they're probably going to have more times than not where they have to go max protection. And you think about the numbers. You're keeping two in to help out your five offensive linemen. Yep. You only have three eligible receivers that you're going to send out, right? you got to do something better with the combinations with that, knowing what you have to deal with. You know, Lincoln, I wanted to go to that run game and the fact that it just hasn't got cooking. And at the end of the game against Pittsburgh on Sunday night, Josh started to get a little bit of wiggle. I don't know if that was the defense, uh, the way the Steelers were playing him, or if he actually started to get a little bit of juice going. But how do they get this thing jump-started? Because they desperately need that run game going. Hugh, you've got to be more physical in the interior. Your interior three, your center and your two guards have got to be more physical. And that's what the Raiders seriously lack. They seriously lack that just nose-blowing slobber knocker mm -hmm. who's going to go out there and knock you on your ass. They don't have that. You know, they had it when they had Richie Incognito. They had it when they had Kevin Gogan, Steve Wisniewski. I'm going back to some of the great guards that yeah. I played along with and watched. You know, you need that attitude run. And if you don't have it, it's hard to in inside, especially with as good as these defensive tackles are. When you watch the game against the Raiders, they're not winning the line of scrimmage. This is something they were able to do last year. And this is one of the reasons why Josh Jacobs had the success he did. But they're not winning the line of scrimmage. The line of scrimmage is being controlled by the opposing defenses. And you've got to find a way to get that, whether it's double teams at the point, you keep people in, you're going to have to get better blocking out of your tight ends if you're going to run double teams at the point. But that's exactly that's exactly what the Raiders do. If you turn the page and look at the way the Steelers did, the reason why Warren, their back number 30, had more success than Najee Harris, if you watch the end zone tape, you'll see the Steelers double teaming at a point, creating a natural hole that Warren would hit right away. Najee Harris would dance a little bit back in the backfield, and that's one of the reasons why he struggled. But the runs that he did go straight downhill and hit those holes were ones that he saw definitively in front of him without dancing, hitting those holes right now. Josh Jacobs mm -hmm. has to dance. Half the time he gets the handoff, he's, he's already being approached by a defender. He has to dance in the backfield. Yeah, I'm shocked by these stats. Rushing yards last, uh, tied for last with zero rushing touchdowns. Yards per carry, 2.9. That's 30th. Mm -hmm. And the rush attempts are 29th. So if you look at it, they're not even attempting to no, run they it. they can't. They're, yeah. they're right. getting out of it. I want to just share something with you. Monday Night Football, when we saw Philadelphia, the NFC champs, play last night. I'm watching it and uh, Brian Baldinger, who you know well from NFL Network, he did his Baldy breakdown of Jason Kelsey. And Kelsey was getting off the ball at center. 
And on every play, he was getting to the linebacker and destroying the linebacker. Yeah. So not only did he win Lincoln at the point of attack against the tackle, getting him out of the way for the hole, he was finding a linebacker and putting his hands on him. I haven't seen that happen once. So for Andre James, who's here and they've dedicated to him, and he's right. a big part of this team, he's got to get going in the middle. He's got to get to the next level. And as you pointed out perfectly, I just see them losing and going backwards when last year they were going forward and they were asserting dominance and taking control of this league. Well, that's absolutely right. And another thing I think they fall short on as a whole is just their overall communication. Now, I'm not talking about Andre James. Look, the, the, the theory of the way it used to be, and I'm sure it hasn't changed, but I'm not on the sidelines like it used to be, is that the, the center would come up to the line of scrimmage and he would call out the most dangerous linebacker. That would tell your offensive line, we've got four, the down linemen, and we've got the most dangerous linebacker. That's who I'm focusing on. Unless the quarterback changes it, that's pretty much all the communication needs to go. Where it comes, where it falls short is at the tackle spots. Colton Miller and Jermaine Illuminor need to step up and they need to look up and say, you know what? We've got a safety in the hole. Either tight end, you're working with me, or hey, Jimmy, bring in a receiver to dig out the safety in the hole because there's another man that we can't block or we don't have an assignment for. Somebody's got to call that out. You've got to call out communication. And to be honest with you guys, I think they need to take it back to elementary school where you go out and you point at the guy. I got, I got him. Yeah. You yeah, got him. Yeah. You got him. So everybody knows. And when there's one that comes up short, the back knows that, oh, I got him. You need to do that because right now the communication has fallen short as well as the dominance that you're talking about, JT, of working the line of scrimmage up to the second level and getting there quickly. They're not doing a good job of blocking the box. That's what comes down to it. Blocking the box are usually the interior defensive linemen, the defensive linemen as well as the linebackers, the ones that the offense can block along with the tight end. They're not doing a good job of blocking the box. There's always some leakage or somebody that's getting through the holes quicker than, than, than what would be expected. Lincoln, let's flip over to the other side of the ball, talk about the defense, and they come up with plays every once in a while. They're able to get off the field every once in a while, but it's just inconsistent. You know what Max brings to the table, but everyone else has just kind of been inconsistent so far defensively. What are you seeing from the booth uh, when you're looking at the Raiders defense well Max needs help you know the fact this team doesn't have a whole lot of sacks doesn't have any turnovers really aids to the fact that they're a one and two record I mean when you lose a turnover battle it's hard to win football games um, you know I, I think the whole dynamic of the game would have changed if Marcus was able to take that interception in for a touchdown mm -hmm. but it fell right through his hands and that's just the bad luck the Raiders are having you know, you, you you end up having something like that, and then you give up a 72-yard touchdown. You know, you get burned on the backside when you're thinking your safety's supposed to be in the home, and he's got other he's got other uh, intentions. This goes back to the lines of communication. You know, this team was fired up in the preseason. We saw them during yeah. training camp. We saw them talking trash to the teams that they were playing against, and they were playing with an unbelievable attitude and energy. And right now, it's hard to duplicate that as far as defense because, one, they're out there for the last two games far too long. The offense, the inept attitude out of the offense, not being able to generate plays and generate a lot of first downs, kept the defense on the field for quite a while. And then, you know, you can only expect when you see, you know, what they're trying to do defensively. You know, Patrick Graham is trying to rush blitzes. If he's going to play man-on-man -man coverage, well, then you're going to see those crossing routes come into view, like we saw on Sunday night against the Steelers. And I, like I said, I wish we ran more of them, but we don't. It is what it is. But there are teams out there that run them. They run them really well. And I think Pittsburgh gave us a taste of that as yeah, well. Yeah, we just saw a tight end get off on a Raider linebacker. Yeah. How often have we seen that? And yeah. I like the way Diablo's playing. I do. But right there, if you look at what's happening here in the league, what jumps out at you, takeaways, zero. Right. 
uh, that's last in the league, tied for last in the league. It's incredible that this has happened. And, again, Marcus Peters dropping that ball. We've been hard on that. We've talked about it a ton on yep. Raider Nation Radio yep. in here today. So let's just say that won't happen again. He'll make plays. But the sacks tied for 24th. So, Lincoln, I knew this was going to happen with Jacorian Bennett. He was going to get beat a couple of plays. He's going to flash. That's who he is. But I love the fact that they're leaving him on the field. Okay, they're leaving him on the field. Look, this is a rookie. We're going to play him. He's a foundational piece under Dave Ziegler going forward. Don't touch him. He gets burned once or twice a game. We can live with that. But Tyree Wilson coming off the edge, and again, I know he had an illness. He didn't have a lot of snaps coming into this game. He's got to get going because if you look at him taking in the first round, number seven overall, then we take a defensive tackle out of Alabama who's supposed to have an impact. The young players, I haven't seen a lot out of them yet, other than snap count and playing hard and hustling to the ball. I think other teams are looking at them and trying to get those one-on-one battles. Well, let's be fair. Let's be honest, guys. Tyree Wilson, coming from Texas Tech, had probably not played against a hierarchy of left tackles that are in the National Football League. Good point. When you're talking about the best of the best, that's generally where they put the left tackle. That's who the left tackle is, supposed to be the best of their offensive linemen. And the reason why he's over there, obviously, you know, the history of it, and it goes back to LT when he when he, he sacked you know, and, and broke the quarterback's legs. You know, you know what I mean? It goes back to those days, the reason why the importance of left tackle is. But you've got to give Tyree Wilson a chance. He's going to take his lumps because he's never played against that top-tier talent. He's got to learn how to play. He's got to learn what, he's, what he can do well, what he can do well against other people. It's going to take time. So that's why I've never really put a whole lot of emphasis into rookies. I know what we expect when you draft them top 10. I get it. But I don't put a lot of emphasis because they have to learn the speed of this game. Doesn't matter who you are. Doesn't matter where you come from or what you did. You got to learn the speed of this game. We seem to put an emphasis more on these days on the Ohio State, the Clemson, the Mm -hmm. Alabama players, because we say, well, because you had a national championship and you went on a long run, maybe you're that much more geared for the life of the National Football League. To me, that's a bunch of BS, because the only way that you can get geared for the National Football League is to play in the National Football League. And it's going to take time for Bennett and Wilson and all those other guys to catch up to the speed to make an impact. I'll say this. We're only three games into the season. Right. I'm not ready to toss up the panic flag or the <laughs> surrender flag and say everything's all over. But there are some things that need to be changed because aside from the Chargers this week, the following three games are winnable. Yes. And if we if we could find a way, if we could find a way to be the beat the Chargers and find a way to, you know, a couple weeks later have a five and three record or a five and two record or whatever it is, you know, I mean, the six and two, whatever it is, how we get to that point, then, then we'll be looking back on this and say, well, we didn't, I'm glad we didn't raise a panic flag or didn't <laughs> do, it. but, but we've got to turn things around. You've got to be different. You can't go along the same mentality that you had. And for defense, does that mean you have to be more aggressive? If that's the case, you're going to put your corners and your safeties on an open end. Well, I don't know if we still have a, a, a valuable player who can cover the tight ends, but we're going into a game, a number of notable games that tight ends are awfully impressive in the mm-hmm. established offenses that we're going up against. Well, for the Raiders, offensively, Devontae was fantastic. I mean, he was the guy. He was the number one target for Jimmy. He was the number two target for Jimmy. I mean, he was there all day long and always found his way to get open. I don't really think you can ask too much more from him. But, I mean, he's, he's putting in all the work right now. Just what are you seeing from Devontae? Well, I mean, it's it's following along the lines we saw last year. I mean, right. this is the reason why he's all pro, why he's going to be a, a future Hall of Famer. The guy's good. But if you take a page out of the way the defenses are playing, you know, they they call they play a lot what I call trail technique, where they have a guy underneath and they've got a safety over the top. 
which means if you're to have two guys on one, somebody else has got to be open. And more importantly, it comes up to the quarterback's discretion, Jimmy G, where are you going to go with the football? You can't be so predictable to where you see one-on-one coverage, you see a high safety that you can think that you can get the ball to number 17 all the time. Because just like in the last interception, you forced the ball. You should not have thrown it. You know what I mean? But you're, you're, you're under duress. You're panicking. You're trying to bring the team back involved. You've got to do something different. You've got to establish someone different. And not, you know, look, for so far out of these three games, we've got Devontae Adams and we got J- Jacoby Myers. Right. And he was out of the Buffalo game. Somebody else has got to stand up. You've got to find a way to get a, to, to get someone involved. And look, when Josh Jacobs is covered by a linebacker or has it draped over, he's not a check down. He's covered. You got to go somewhere else. I mean, this happened in the Buffalo game where he got an interception. It almost happened in the Pittsburgh game where 55 was draped all over Josh Jacobs and he was able to get that football in. So um, one of the things that, I, you know, I feel for Jimmy, he's got to keep the ball up on the crossing routes because a lot of times the guys are going real low to catch mm-hmm. him. He's got to keep the ball up. And more importantly, he's got to keep the ball, the place where the guys can run after the catch. Give them a chance to make a play. Don't have it all fall on your shoulders. All right, we have some sound after the game. Q, you were in the locker room. Yeah. Here's Devontae Adams post game. You know, it's tough because this, this is a really good team. We have a lot of potential. I would say that not a good team until you, you prove it. But uh, the team has some potential. We got the players. We just got to figure out how to play together uh, on both sides of the ball and stop putting ourselves in, in such um, tough to overcome positions, you know. And we, we had way too many of those today. And, you know, whether it's penalties or, you know, sacks or, you know, we didn't make the play outside, whatever it was, got to take care of the ball. And it's just... That's not how you, you know, you, you, we look at all these analytics and all these things, teams that have won with the, you know, the turnover battle and all these things, and they don't mean shit until you go out there and you play ball. And we just, we, we're having a tough time consistently doing that right now. And I don't want to act like it's all crazy. It's, you know, it's week three, but I don't got time to wait around, you know. And it's not a personal thing. I mean, it is a personal thing, but it ain't just about me. But, I mean, it's not my mentality to sit here and try to take all season to figure it out. You use these early games like this to establish identity and, we uh we're not doing things the right way to, to establish a winning culture um, early in the season. So we got to do something to, to turn that around. That is a make or break soundbite. Yeah. And I told my producer on radio to save that one a day ago because he's right. It, one of two things are going to happen. That's the moment. I'm not waiting around to hear anymore. We got to get going. And right. everybody in that locker room link is going to follow him. I covered you in the locker room after losses. You were not happy. Gannon was a menace to deal with, a menace when he was losing. He didn't like it. And that's where I started with this organization, watching guys after a loss. And it was rare back in your day. And you could sense in the locker room that there were guys who were really uptight and wanted to get back into the classroom, into the film room, and correct everything. Do you believe the culture in that locker room with these players, Lincoln, are to get back to work and correct this quickly before the schedule gets away from them? I believe some of them have that hate-to-lose mentality. Mm -hmm. Okay, I don't know of all of them. I don't see it out of all of them. You know, when I heard the, the, the stories about last week's practice after the Bills game, how Josh said, you know what, we're going to be more physical, and he had a physical week of practice. I can get behind that. I can, mm-hmm. I can see that. I haven't seen it translate on the field. You know, the thing is, is that, look, Max Crosby is normally not a bad player, but he got a 15-yard penalty that kept the drive going. I know that's not indicative of Max. I'm not saying that's mm-hmm. going to happen all the time. We, we understand that. You know, Devontae Adams dropped the ball. That's not indicative of Devontae. We know who the playmakers are because we've seen them. Now we have to see it carry through the entire team. I'm not, every, not saying that every guy needs to be a standout, but here's the thing. 
you know, this goes down from coaching down to players. If you, if you know you've got a disruptive force in number 90, why would you ever isolate your right tackle on number 90? Right. Why would you give him that? If you've seen the way that he comes off the corner and you've seen it time and time again, TJ Watt does the same exact thing. He cuts the corner and you see how your right tackle plays. Your right tackle turns at the seam, giving him a short corner. Why would you do that? Why would you ever not have someone on his side or around him to help him block number 90 to take him out the game? That falls on coaching. You see what I'm saying? Now you talk about the execution when you get out there. Okay, sometimes number 72, you're going to be on your own. You're going to have to stand up and, and be a man. This is what you want. This is the pro style. You got to do it. You can't get your quarterback killed. There was a point there where I didn't think Jimmy G was going to finish a football game. And when he took that one hit, it had to come off the sideline. So, I mean, these are things that you have to think about if going forward or just on the offense. We've got a quarterback who has a history of being injury prone. We need to do the utmost thing to protect him. Right. That would be my philosophy. I'm sitting in the line. I, I got to do everything. If I got to get a holding call or or, or whatever, mm -hmm. I have to bite, scratch, you know, whatever I need to do to stop that defensive end, I need to make sure he doesn't get on my quarterback. So that's the attitude we need to take unanimously as a team. When you've got one-on-one -on -one yeah. coverage, I'm not going to get beat. When I need to get to the quarterback, it's time for me to get to court. It's third down and eight. I got to get to the quarterback. I got to get. I got to find a way to 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 you know negate this play so this team gets off. We haven't seen that yet. And I go back to the days where if guys aren't going to play in preseason, it's hard to build that team building concept. And if you come into the regular season, you're going to take your lumps in the first month of games because we've seen for the most part offenses have, offenses have struggled in this first month because they're not there's not a, a lot of consistency you know, to, to what they're doing. And so they're trying to find their way. One of the things, going back to the Raiders locker room, that Max said following the game is guys need to finish plays and they need to be doing the right things and locked in. That kind of told yep. me a lot. Felt like that everybody wasn't on the same page as far as he was concerned. Well, I mean, that's probably so, Q. I mean, the thing is, is that without having the privilege in the locker room, you don't know exactly what they're speaking of or what they're talking about. But I've been on teams where everyone's not locked in mm -hmm. and we don't win. Look, this is this is the greatest team game that you can possibly imagine. Why? Because it takes 11 individuals to perform as one. And any coach will tell you that if one guy falls off, he becomes the weakest link. We're not as strong as we should be. And I think that's what the Raiders are facing. The Raiders had, you know, two out of their three games, I could say, were winnable. I think they were outmatched against Buffalo. For sure. But Buffalo's the upper tier, upper tier of the AFC. So if you want to be the best, you've got to beat the best. And until the Raiders get to that point to where they're challenging, they've got a long way to go. Well, a guy who beat all the best was Ken Stabler, and the pregame was amazing. You know, you're, yeah. I'm, I was privileged to be down on the sideline and looking around. And when you see Stabler's family there, the Grand Snakes were there, <laughs> the kids, and Kendra, Kim. It was fun to just see how their eyes lit up, and they understood the magnitude of him being honored. He was magnitude because Mark Davis petitioned the Hall of Fame to get all deceased players' rings, and then Mark stepped up and got him the rings. I think it's a huge legacy play for Mark, and he doesn't want to talk about it. I've been bringing it up because people who don't know Mark don't get how much this means to him, and that was incredible. So they had that, and then I'm sitting there listening to the crowd. Right, I want to hear who's getting the loud one. So yeah. they pray Fred Bolitnikoff. The roof almost comes up. Right. Marcus Allen, the yeah. place is going crazy. Charles Woodson, but there's Kendra holding up the ring. And Mark was really proud for this as the family looked on. And I thought that was really appropriate mm -hmm. pregame. This is what the Raiders do, Lincoln, and you've been a part of it. You've lit the torch, obviously, in Oakland. You know how important it is to the legacy of this team and their valued alumni, and that was a perfect example of it. 
one of the things I've always appreciated about this organization and is that it's family rooted and family oriented. And it's about the family and the players are part of the family and the fan base, the Raider nation is part of the family. And the thing is, is that I'm so proud of Mark to get this done. We had, when they were alive, two unbelievable players in Cliff Branch and Ken Stabler that would deserve to be in the hall of fame and their ballot got passed for so many times, so many times. And it's unfortunate that they're no longer with us to enjoy the, the, the magnitude of the situation. But I've always been impressed by seeing the number of uh, gold jackets, especially the guys I had a ple pleasure of playing with, you know, or playing against Richard Seymour, Charles Woodson, Timmy Brown, and stuff like that. You know, those guys are close to me, but so is Pops. You know, so mm -hmm. is the Stork. So, mm -hmm. so is Freddie B. You know, going back with the organization. Um, and, and we've always been tight. And it's like... Nothing ever falls off from alumni weekend to these events when you see guys in the in the hotel. Hey, man, you know, former Raiders, once a Raider, always a Raider. And that's one thing that I've always loved and appreciated about this organization. All right, quick one, Link, on the way out. Uh, give us one key to the game in Los Angeles. We don't know about Jimmy G's in protocol. Big right. topic we got to get with you on. Hoyer, Aiden O'Connell, next yeah. man up if Jimmy can't go. What do the Raiders need to do in L.A. to pull out a, a big-time victory to get back to five hundred? They're going to have to get physical on the inside. They're going to have to be able to run between the tackles and have a balanced offense. The offense that you're going up against, even without Austin Eckler, can still be balanced in the Chargers, and we know what their quarterback is capable of. So they're going to have to control the clock. And I'm just waiting for, for it to come out, for it to happen, like it happened in Seattle last year, and there mm -hmm. are other games where it happened, where this offense just takes control. I'm not sure how they're going to do it, guys. I don't know if they have the personnel to do it. Let's play it that way. To me, Van Roden is still too high and out of his two-point stance. He's, I think he stands at 6'6", six, 6'7". Six, six, he needs to be down on three-point stance. You need to come off the football. You, you, to me, he's catching too much. But I can critique every single offensive lineman. It's not for me to do. Uh, but, you know, it's one of those things where if you're turning around for the rest of the season and you've got 14 games left, you better figure it out or you're not going to go anywhere fast. As always, he's amazing. Yes. Thank you, Lincoln. We'll see you. Appreciate you coming on. Thanks, man. Anytime, guys.